We've been doing this series all summer long, and we're not exactly sure how long this will go. We might change it as soon as next week when the calendar flips to September. Anybody excited about that, by the way? That September is on its way. I am really excited that fall is coming. I don't hate summer, but I hate summer. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to fall. If you have your Bibles, join us in Luke. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 once again. Luke chapter 11 as we continue our series called Lessons for Living. We're going to look at Luke 11 verses 33 to 36. And the title of our lesson today is called Living in the Light. Living in the Light. Before we get to the text, of course, let me ask you a question. Did you ever have to overcome an obstacle? Kevin? Luke? You ever have to overcome some sort of obstacle? We have a couple people. In fact, my son broke his arm a couple days ago, and we, uh, we, he's got an obstacle now to overcome. Uh, thankfully, he's right-handed and broke his left hand, but uh, a lot of injuries in this church. We've got to be careful out there. What's going on? Be careful where you step, everybody. But sometimes there's obstacles in life we have to overcome, and I'm going to give you my top 10 biggest obstacles that we need to overcome in the year 2021. And this is a general list, okay, that most of us are trying to overcome in the year 2021. Okay, let's work through these, see if you can communicate or fellowship with me in some of these. Number 10, see my clicker's not working, let's try turning it on first, that helps. <laughs> Number 10 biggest obstacle in 2021 is trying to communicate through masks. It's very difficult. The other day I was in a store and uh, I was talking to one of the store employees and he was talking to me, he had a mask on and I couldn't hear him. And he sounded like, like a mumbler to begin with and I, I couldn't hear the man. And so I kept asking him, excuse me, what was that? Could you repeat that? And, and so it was like a, another language. Uh, it really is. I think we have a new language today called mask-ish. <laughs> that is a new language we're all having to learn. And so that's a def def definitely an obstacle we're facing here in 2021. Here's number nine is trying to drive safely on the road. Because we all want to, right, everyone? We want to drive safely on the road. But we're dealing with a lot of people who are impatient, distracted, and angry at the world. Are we not? In fact, maybe the worst it's ever been. In fact, that's what I tell Janine a lot. It's the worst and the hardest to drive that it's ever been before. There seems to be more angry people, more impatient people, more distracted people than ever before. It's now turned into a real-life bumper cars. Uh, unfortunately, you can get hurt in the real-life bumper cars, so be careful out there. That's another one that's very tricky, another obstacle. Here's another one. Number eight is having to decide between online shopping. Who online shops pretty regularly? Yes, we love online shopping. The problem is with online shopping is you don't always get what you want, do you? Either they've run out of the item or whatever picture you saw does not represent the item that arrives at your door. <laughs> Or you just get a mistake altogether. So there's some disadvantages to online shopping. But the other option is to shop in person like that. Yeah. Or trying to avoid every germ in the store while wearing one of those biohazard suits. <laughs> I don't know what you'd rather do, run out of items online or shop in store wearing something like that. But that's, that's an obstacle we're all dealing with right now. Here's number seven. Number seven is having to sign in to every single app on the many devices that we have and trying to remember which variation of the password we used for those devices, right? If you're anything like me, I have three passwords that I use for everything. And if you figure out those three, you'll get my entire identity. But I also have thousands of variations of those three. 
Sometimes it's a symbol or a letter or a capitalization. And it's so secure, I can't figure it out. I can't sign into my own apps. So it's, it's very secure. I feel very comfortable that my identity will not be stolen because I can't even get in. Here's another one, number six. And I know you guys will fellowship with me. Uh, convincing yourself you don't have time to email anymore, right? Remember when snail mail was a thing and we'd all write letters? That used to be a thing, and then that kind of went away, and we all did email, and now email's looking like that's kind of old school, so we don't email anymore because it takes too long. So we you ever do this or, or get one of these, these four-paragraph text messages from some, someone, and it takes like an entire day to read and respond to that text message? And that's, that's why I use a BlackBerry. I need the physical keyboard because I can't, I can't get through a sentence without making a mistake. Um, so we don't have time to email, but the four-paragraph text message, we can do that. Here's number five is, anyone try to cut the cord, get rid of cable? Uh, cables, for some reason, are getting really expensive, and so a lot of people are cutting the cord these days, trying to get rid of cable, which is a good thing. You could save $150, $200, something like that. But then what you have to do is you have to get five or six streaming apps. And if you're anything like me, you try to get the free trial for all of them consecutively. Because there's like six months worth of free trials right there. But I have to sign up and register for every one of them. And then I have to do something else really difficult. I have to cancel. <laughs> I have to remember in those 30 days to go ahead and cancel. Otherwise, I will end up paying $300 a month because they're all activated at the same time. It's seven-day trial. Oh, it used to be a month back in the day. Now it's only seven. They're on to us. That means they're on to us. Yeah. They, they know we won't cancel. Uh, here's number four, um, trying to decipher emojis, what emojis mean on your BlackBerry, when your BlackBerry doesn't properly show emojis. Um, who's with me? Who, who's with me? When you're using your BlackBerry and someone sends you an emoji and it comes out like that and you're like, thank you, Kevin, thank you. Because you notice these come up in top tens a lot. I know you guys have all been there. You guys, that's an obstacle we're facing. <laughs> Actually, that's probably an obstacle we were facing 10 years ago. Uh, here's another one. Number three is trying to drive while also feeling the need to teach every other driver on the road how to drive. Anybody do that? Oh, it's just me. <laughs> I'm yelling people, use that blinker. Yield, buddy. There's a yield sign. Speed up. It's 35, not 25. Get moving. It is not your turn to go yet. I find myself not only trying to stay safe, but teaching everybody else on the road how to drive. That's an obstacle. Here's number two. Having to legitimately cough or sneeze in public during a pandemic. And it's not because you have COVID. It's because you have to sneeze or cough. Some of that mask fiber gets into your nose or something like that. And and you know what's going to happen as soon as you sneeze or cough. It's going to turn into the Salem witch trials. And they're going to string you up and uh, throw away the key. That's an obstacle right now. You can't sneeze or cough in public anymore without, without people wondering about you. Here's number one that's a little specific to me is trying to be a pastor in the year 2021 when everyone is seemingly listening to their spiritual expert on the Internet. Everyone's got that guy. Well, Pastor Todd, Larry said... God's cool with murder. It's like, well, if Larry said it, what can I say in return to that? 
Uh, that's a little bit in jest. But those are top 10 obstacles in the year 2021. Here's one extra one to transition us to our lesson today is filling our lives with darkness while trying to walk in the light. And that's kind of where we're headed today. If you have your Bibles, join me in Luke chapter 11, verses 11 to 33, and listen to the word of God. Jesus speaking, he said, No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who, may, who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. The Word of God. That's where we're going today. Living in the light is our lesson today. Now, this passage, many, like many passages in the Word of God, the context is important to understanding this passage properly. So we don't do this every single time, but I was looking at the context of this, and I feel it's very important to understand our passage properly to go back and take a peek at the verses right before this. Okay, Even though we're not going to teach both, we are going to notice the context today because context matters, and it's going to help us properly understand our passage today. So let's go back to verses 29 of Luke 11, and let's listen to the passage right before this. It said, when the crowds were increasing, he, Jesus, began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Do you know what the word irony means? Irony? You guys use that word from time to time? I found that picture online, and I thought that was a perfect example of irony. You notice what's happening there, right? A man's got a flat tire. And what's in his truck? Hundreds of tires, maybe? And that's, that's a picture of irony, right? It's when what you expect to hear or happen in a particular circumstance is met with the extreme opposite, okay? That's kind of what irony means. In the passage right before ours, people are demanding to see a sign from Jesus that validates his ministry, validates who he claims to be. And that seems fair, right? That seems fair. I mean, if someone came to you and said, I'm the son of God, and the long-awaited Messiah, it would be nice to have some validation on that before we hand our entire lives over to that person, correct? I want some validation to make sure you are the Son of God and you are the long-awaited Messiah. But the problem here is that Jesus had given the people nothing but signs and validations. All over the place were signs and validations that he is the Son of God and that he was the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus had performed miracle after miracle after miracle in front of these people. And he had taught them so many things from the mind and the wisdom of God, so much so that when Jesus spoke, the people left astonished. Their mouths were hanging open at the obvious authority that Jesus had. There were hundreds of signs and validations, much like the tires in that man's car. The signs and validations were all over the place. 
But there are naysayers all around us, are there not? Naysayers. People who see the obvious truth of something, but cannot and will not yield to the truth. And so these people talking to Jesus are demanding to see another sign from Jesus so they can believe in him. And Jesus' response to them is quite interesting. He says, no. No, he says this. He says, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Jesus says, you don't get a new sign. You don't get any more signs. But I will remind you of a sign I already gave you. His name is Jonah. Yes, it's the same Jonah from the classic story, Jonah and the Big Fish, or Jonah and the Whale. Hopefully you guys remember that story. I'll remind you about the story of Jonah. See, Jonah was a prophet. He was a prophet who was called to go, he was called to, go to the town called Nineveh so that he could warn the Ninevites that they were living against God so they might turn back to God and be saved. And most of us know the story. Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He hated the Ninevites because they were so wicked. And he knew that God was merciful and that if he brought the message to the Ninevites of God's mercy and salvation, they would turn back to God and Jonah didn't want them to turn back to God. He didn't like the Ninevites. So he tried to run away from God's will. Anyone ever try that strategy? It doesn't work too well. Because God's will cannot be thwarted, can it? So Jonah boarded a shipping, a, vis, a fishing vessel, excuse me, and he caused a massive storm to come on the sea. And the crew, they end up uh, choosing straws, and they find out that Jonah is basically the reason for the storm. And Jonah says, you need to throw me overboard or the storm won't stop. So they picked up Jonah and they threw him overboard and the storm ceased. But now Jonah's in the water by himself. And a giant fish swallows Jonah and houses him inside of his belly for three days and three nights. Now Jonah's inside the belly of a big fish and he realizes God isn't messing around. And he prays to God for mercy. And the giant fish vomits Jonah back onto the shore and Jonah starts to get the message that God isn't messing around. He's not joking around. And he finally goes to Nineveh with God's message and warning. And all the Ninevites get saved and turn back to God, just like Jonah knew they would. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing story. These people that Jesus is speaking to in our passage would have been very familiar with the story of Jonah. And now Jesus tells the people in our passage they will not receive another sign because the tale of Jonah should teach them something important. Jonah's message, Jonah's reluctant message to the Ninevites. Okay, so Jonah is preaching to the Ninevites, but you can tell his heart's not in it when he's doing it. So his reluctant message to the Ninevites was enough for the wicked Ninevites to repent immediately and turn back to God. And yet someone much greater than Jonah was standing before these people the Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah, and they rejected his gospel message that came from God. Wow. Wow. Basically, if you can't hear or won't hear that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah and that the gospel was sent to save you, then no other sign will be given to you because you have already rejected the greatest sign you could ever possibly receive, and that is Jesus and his gospel. Be like if someone said, I don't believe in tornadoes. I don't believe they exist. I think they're a, a 
false. Fa I think they're false. I think they're a myth. I don't think tornadoes actually exist. And then one day a tornado sucks them up in the vortex and throws them several hundred yards down the road. And they stand up and go, I need further proof <laughs> that tornadoes exist. That's still not enough. That's basically what's going on here. And Jesus says that on Judgment Day, what's going to happen is going to be quite interesting. The Ninevites, the wicked Ninevites who repented and turned back to God are going to stand and give testimony against these people, the people of Jesus' day, that they must be pure evil. Because the Ninevites repented at Jonah's reluctant message. And the people of Jesus' day rejected the gospel message of the Messiah and the Son of God. Now that's the context to our passage today. That's what leads into our passage today. The context is crucial to understanding our passage today. Now, when we don't know the context of God's word, we can actually make the word of God say just about anything. We can. People have. They continue to do so. But we don't want the word of God to say just anything, do we? We want it to say what the Lord intended it to say. So let's use the context when we're studying the Bible. We'll get to a much better place. So now we come to our passage today. Let's reread it. In verse 33, Jesus says, No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Therefore be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays, gives you light. Since we look at the context, we have a much better chance at interpreting Jesus' words correctly here today. Jesus says this, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so those who may enter the room may see the light. Jesus is using a metaphor. He often did this. He often used metaphors to help us understand something about his gospel or the kingdom of God, or the will of God. And I want you to recall that the people that Jesus is speaking to today demanded to see a sign to validate Jesus' ministry. And Jesus basically told them, this is my paraphrase, no. You have the testimony of Jonah. He's your sign. You have seen and heard plenty by now to know with absolute certainty that I am much greater than Jonah, that I came from heaven, and you still won't listen to me. So therefore, any other sign I show you, you'll reject that as well. Because your heart, your heart is hard and not willing to receive it. But, Jesus is not asking for blind faith from any of us. Did you know that? Christianity is not blind faith. I'll say it again. Christianity is not blind faith. Jesus is telling these people, I have given you the light. I've given you the light. I've given you the most light imaginable. It's not blind faith. I have given you the light. You just need to see the light and accept the light. And the light he is referring to today is the gospel. That is the light he is referring to, the gospel message. If you don't know by now, the gospel is the life-changing message that God sent his son into the world to die for their sins and rise again to new life so he might save them from that sin and give them eternal life with him. That is the gospel light. That is the light Jesus is referring to when he says the word lamp. There is no greater light than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is able to fill our souls with light for the rest of eternity. 
It is the greatest light that ever exists. And we know by now, we know this, right? We are all aware that the world is full of darkness. I hope you're aware of that. Just look around and you will see it very clearly. The world is full of darkness because the more people that live upon the world, the more sinners there are. The more sinners there are, the more perversions that are created by those sinners. And the more that sinners sin, the more that darkness increases. We are perhaps living in the darkest period of this world that has ever existed, perhaps. And that sounds depressing, doesn't it? It sounds kind of depressing to hear that. But it all depends how we look at it. Because is a candle or a flashlight most necessary or useful to us at dusk or in the pitch dark? Isn't it true that the darker it is, the more light shines and is beneficial to us? A flashlight is most useful in pitch darkness. Depends how you look at it. So yes, darkness is increasing upon the world, but so is the power and the potential of the gospel light. The darker it is, the greater the opportunity it has to shine. And the first thing Jesus tells us is that no one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket. That would be silly, right? I mean, I want you to imagine that a blackout happens and you take out a flashlight. You put brand new batteries in that flashlight. It is a working flashlight. You turn on the flashlight and then you open up your storage closet or your junk drawer and you throw the flashlight in there and close the door. Imagine your family watching this unfold. Why would anybody do that? Why would anybody light a light, a light that is needful and needed at the current moment, and then hide the light? And it's a rhetorical question because you wouldn't. No one would do that. You light a light in order to cast the light onto something, not to conceal the light. And Jesus did not conceal the light, did he? The gospel is the light, and Jesus came to this earth with that light. But he didn't come to hide the light. He didn't sheepishly shine the light when hardly anybody was looking. He didn't turn it on briefly and then shut it off and tease everybody with the light. Jesus and his disciples shouted the gospel to every town and every village they could find and boldly declared the good news that sinners can be healed. That's what he did, like a lighthouse. I have the light and I want everyone to know it. That is why the question before about the people needing a sign is ironic. It's ironic because they had an abundance of proof and light with them. Because Jesus was shining it everywhere, but they refused to see the light. They refused to see it. I want you to imagine you go out on a bright, sunny day, okay? One of those really bright, sunny days. The sun is unavoidable. It's one of those days the sun is shining in its full brilliance, okay? It's bright. It's hot. It's my worst nightmare. <laughs> um, you're driving and you need sunglasses to keep the sun from hurting your eyes. And maybe you flip down that little visor you got in your car and all the papers fall down. It always happens. Why do we put papers up there? Um, but you flip that little visor down because the sun is so bright that day. But you come across a person on the road who tells you they're not convinced there actually is a sun in our universe on that particular day, that he needs more proof to believe in the existence of the sun. Does that seem ridiculous? So you simply tap this person on their shoulder and you say, look up, buddy. <laughs> look up. Your proof is right there. It's right before you. This is the spirit of how Jesus is responding to these people. More proof? 
You need more proof. I came with miracles and healings and profound teachings from God. And I perfectly matched the prophecy about the Messiah in the Old Testament. As it said the Messiah would act, so I did. As it said the Messiah would look like, so I look like. And now you're asking for another sign before you believe. So instead of giving them another sign, he says no to that, he decides to insert a teaching lesson to help these people understand. And this is what he says in verse 34, another metaphor. He says, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So let's work through this very simple metaphor Jesus is giving the people, because this is his response. He's not going to leave them hanging. He's going to give them a metaphor and remind them of something very important. He says, your eye, think about your eye, it is the light source or the lamp of your body. Okay, now that's easy to think about if you will just pause for a moment and consider, because the eye brings images into our brain, right? Whatever we see is what the brain works with. Okay, if we focus on light, the body will respond to that. If we focus on darkness, the body will respond to that. And it's not necessarily speaking about your literal eye, okay? Because even blind people can use this metaphor. What it's referring to is whatever you focus your life upon. Whatever you focus upon will determine if light or darkness gets into your soul. Whatever you focus upon. If we are looking and focusing upon the right things, we will be full of God's light. But if we're looking at it, focusing upon the wrong things, then our entire soul will be full of darkness. That's what Jesus is saying. Whatever we're looking at and focusing upon will be the direction our entire lives go. If we look at truth, if we're looking at truth and focusing upon truth, we will entirely follow truth. If we're looking at falsehood, we will entirely follow falsehood. It's quite simple, quite straightforward. It's like when I was little and my mom told me one day that one of the neighborhood kids was having a bad influence on me. Do you remember that? This neighborhood kid was having a bad influence on me and I should be careful hanging around that person because how he acted was how I was acting. Your mom ever tell you that? Someone had a negative influence on you? See, this is helpful because the people Jesus is speaking about had flat out rejected him and his gospel message and are demanding another sign. Jesus, give us another sign. Their entire lives are full of darkness because they cannot or will not properly see the truth directly in front of their eyes. Therefore, darkness had taken over them. Darkness had taken over their souls. Whatever they wanted to believe is what they looked at. And what they looked at was followed suit by the choices they made every single day. All in the darkness. Not in Jesus. Because there's only two options. Jesus or darkness. If they could have seen Jesus with, with eyes of faith, that was the goal for Jesus. His gospel would have been so bright and so stunning to behold, they would have given their entire lives to Jesus. Because that's what happens when you see the light of Jesus. You fall down and you yield your life unto him. But they decided to focus on other things. Other things. A bunch of other things. And because of that, their entire lives were characterized by what is false 
and what is sinful. They couldn't see Jesus. So Jesus states this sobering warning to all of us. He says, therefore, be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Be careful, lest the light in you be darkness. Consider that statement carefully. The light in us could be darkness. The light we're calling light, the light that we're believing is light, might be the complete opposite. It might be darkness. Imagine how scary that would be at Judgment Day to discover. At Judgment Day, you believe yourself to be a Christian and on your way to heaven, but the curtain of your soul is pulled back and it's revealed there's nothing but darkness inside of you. The light that we thought we had was actually darkness. That's a terrifying thought to have. Terrifying. And Jesus would not have brought this up unless it was possible for that to happen. The so-called light in us today could be darkness. And the reason we know that is because it happened for the people Jesus was speaking to. They were all religious people. Right? So they're fine. They're godly. They're following God on the way to heaven. But they're rejecting the Son of God and the Messiah. They're claiming to love God while they hate Jesus. Do you notice that? The light in them was darkness. So the question for us today is how do we know? How do we know if the light in us is actually light or darkness masquerading as light? How do we know? And the quite simple answer to that question is this. Where are we getting our light from? Where are we getting our light from? Where is the source of our light? I once um, bought a Rolex watch. Did you guys know that? I once bought a Rolex watch. You guys, some of you have heard this story already. I bought a Rolex watch on the streets of New York City. Pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. I bought a Rolex watch on the streets of New York City. Do any of you doubt that it was an actual Rolex watch? Any of you? It said Rolex on the watch. Therefore, it had to be Rolex. It had to be Rolex. I think there were two X's or two E's or maybe the U. But it was close. And I paid $15 for it. And Kevin, you're right. It ended up turning my wrist green. It actually did. It actually did. Do any of you doubt that was an actual Rolex? Because it said Rolex or Rolux, but close enough. I was hooked. I bought a Rolex watch and I was so proud. I got a great deal that day. A guy appeared out of the shadows with a briefcase full of Rolex watches, all for $15. He said, pick one, pick one up, $15. You pick whatever you want. <laughs> I was young, okay, I was young. Uh, but I bought, a, I bought a Rolex watch that day and I was all excited. And I told my parents, and my parents were, um, we'll say judgmental that day, <laughs> that I actually did not buy a Rolex watch. What do you think, though? Let, let's work through this. Do you think it would be more trustworthy to get a Rolex watch from a guy in the streets in New York City who appears out of the shadows with a briefcase? For $15, by the way. Or at a renowned Rolex store with locked and guarded watches and glass cases? Where would I most likely get scammed? 
And the question is this. What's the proper source for a Rolex watch? What is the proper source for truth? Where are we getting our light from? Where are we going for truth? If it says truth on the packaging, doesn't that mean it's truth? How do we know we actually have truth versus a forgery? How do we know that the light we're listening to isn't darkness? The answer in this passage could not be easier to find. The people wanted a sign from Jesus in order to believe. The people wanted a sign from Jesus in order to believe. The people wanted a sign from Jesus in order to believe. Jesus, the Son of God, was in their midst, and they desired to see something else. It's like if I found an oyster with a pearl in it, they would have chosen the oyster and thrown away the pearl. What should have they been focusing upon? The lack of a millionth sign from Jesus? Or the long-awaited Messiah who desired to save them and shepherd them? They chose to focus upon the wrong thing, and now they were entirely blind. And that's their story. And I don't know, some of them may have come back, may have turned to Jesus. But that's their story. And I want to know today, where are we going for light? Where are we going for light? Are we going to the media? Is media the source of truth and light? Are we going to social media for truth and for light? Are we going to YouTube for light and for truth? Are we going to our parents, our friends, our co-workers, our spouses? Are we doing this two-minute devotional from the Word of God, this really chewed-up version of God's Word? Or are we going to the only one who has it, Jesus and the Word of God? Where are you getting your light from? Silly pastor, of course it's Jesus. Of course it's the Word of God. We're Christians. We're sitting in a church service. Of course we know where to get light. So what, guys? I did it for years. I did it for years, and I was still full of darkness. You can be a Christian. You can go to church and still be full of darkness. If the people in Luke 11 are proving anything to us, it's that they can stare at Jesus and still not see him. They can hear him and still not hear him. They could learn truth and still not learn it. They could discover treasure and still not discover it. All over the world, right now, people are mere inches from Jesus and his gospel this very hour and still won't see it. And the reason they're not seeing is not always because they don't want to see it. Sometimes that happens. But oftentimes it's because something else is blocking their vision from seeing it. Now, I want you to picture that really bright and sunny day I asked you to picture when the sun is in its full brilliance and you're driving and the sun is so bright you can't drive without sunglasses. But all of a sudden, a big storm cloud appears and passes over the sun. And the sun, at least from your vision, is blocked. It disappears. It means the sun is still there, of course, right? The sun is still there. The sun is still as bright as it's ever been. But now it's being blocked by something closer to your eyes. And this is often what happens in our lives. People come to church, they hear a message from God's word, maybe once or twice a week if they're really good Christians. 
But they also listen to countless lies on the internet and TV day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And the light of God's word is bright. It's so bright it can change their lives in a moment. But Monday and Tuesday come, and the storm clouds of life pass over the sun, or potential false light comes into our vision, and we're not focusing upon Jesus and the word of God anymore. It happens all the time. And now the brilliant light of God's word is being overshadowed from our eyes. We can't see it. It's there, but we can't see it. And the eye is the lamp of the body. Whatever we're focusing upon is what we will fill our entire lives with. Whatever we regularly look at is what we will follow. It's as honest as Jesus can tell us. Whatever you regularly look at is what you will follow. People sometimes wonder why Wyoming Valley Church doesn't take more political stances. Why not? Why don't we have more traditions? Why not? Why don't we line up with a specific denomination or school of thought or theology? Why not? And our answer to that is this. We don't need it. We don't need it. Politics can't light our souls. Traditions can't guide us to heaven. And no school of thought, theology, or denomination is flawless. In fact, I will say it this way. All of them have the possibility to cloud and overshadow the light of God's word in our lives. And you know how I know that? How many denominations of Christianity do you think there are? Guess. Someone guess. How many denominations of Christianity do you think there are? How many? Who said 800? 41,000. Denominations of Christianity. 41,000 ideas of how to do this thing called Christianity. 41,000. And all of them think that they are the ones with the light and the other 40,999 are lacking it and going to hell. Thank you, Beth. So how do we know we're right? How do you know you're the one of the 41,000 that has it right? Here at Wyoming Valley Church, we want everyone to know and no one to be confused. We are only going to be drinking directly from the pure scriptures alone. That's it. That's the only way. If the Bible says it, we will say it. If the Bible doesn't say it, we won't concern ourselves much with it. If the Bible says don't do it, we will make it our law. If the Bible is quiet on a matter, we will remain quiet on the matter. If Jesus did it, if he taught it, if he commanded us to do it, we will strive to accomplish it even if it costs us our lives because there's only one true light and it's Jesus and God's word. And we have an enemy, don't we? We have an enemy. And that enemy will literally give us anything else besides the pure light of God's word because he knows, he knows this passage that if the light in us is darkness, he can control our entire lives. If he can change what we look at and what we focus upon, he wins. Because the light then becomes darkness and the darkness takes over our soul. So what are you listening to each day? Who are you hearing from? What do you discipline yourself to learn each week? What messages do you allow to get into your brain? 
Is it light that can be validated from the very word of God? Or could it be possibly darkness masquerading as light, sent to lead you away from the true light? Listen to how Jesus closes this passage. Verse 36, If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. The promise from Jesus is that if we make camp at his feet through the drinking of the pure water of the scriptures, our souls will be full of light, having no part dark. Isn't that tremendous? Isn't that encouraging? Holy bright. Not kind of. Not sort of. Not on its way. Holy bright. No part dark. Can you imagine a judgment day? The Lord pulls back the curtain of your soul and says that about you. You are full of light. You are wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Wow. Wow. And unfortunately, there are only two options, full of light or full of darkness. You can't mix them. You can't have some light and some darkness. You have full light or full darkness. And being fully light does not mean we lived perfectly as Christians. That's not what he means. It means we focused our lives upon Jesus and the word of God because he is the light, not us. If we are focusing our lives upon Jesus, his light will flood our souls. But if we're not focusing our entire lives upon Jesus, we will be fully dark and in danger of remaining in darkness for all eternity. Now, yes, hell is a fire, an eternal fire, but somehow, someway, it's also pure darkness. Because that's what anti-Jesus is. That's what the lack of Jesus is. There is no light for the rest of eternity. That is tragic. To not only be in darkness today, but to stay that way for the rest of eternity. Therefore, let us all take a close look at our lives today. Who are we focusing upon? Who and what are we focusing upon? Don't give yourself the benefit of the doubt. That's what I did in my young 20s. I'm sure I'm fine. I go to church. I know some of the Bible. I read it on occasion. I'm fine. I wasn't fine at all. I was fully dark. Take a close and honest look today. Is it Jesus and God's word? Or is it something easier and cheaper that seems similar? Because the slippery nature of the devil is to slip something that looks very, very close, like the Rolex watch, and say, there you go. It's good enough. It's plenty. It's close enough. One more time. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Focus your life upon the word of God alone. Jesus alone. He alone is the light. There is no other light. He is the only light, and his light is magnificent. It can change your entire life in a moment. If you don't have the light today, if you don't know the light today, come talk to us. That's why we do this. 
We want everyone to know the light of Jesus Christ in the Word of God. And if you do know the light and you know where to find it, make camp at the feet of Jesus and the Word of God, and you will shine, and your whole life will shine. And one day you will shine for the rest of eternity. Can we pray? Father, I pray for all of us. We're in weird days. It's the darkest it maybe has ever been. And light is being called dark and dark is being called light. It's, everything's topsy-turvy. And many of us don't even know how to sort it out. But we don't have to. You've done it for us. If we simply go to where the light is, where the light source is, and we shine it into our lives constantly, regularly, faithfully, your promise is that we will be holy light, no part dark, shining brilliantly for the rest of eternity. If we stay in the light, if we stay near the light, if we listen and hear the light, if we focus our lives upon the light. And Father, I can't do that for anyone in this room besides myself. But I pray that I would do it, and I pray that these people here listening today would do it, would understand where the light is, how to find it, and never leave Jesus. Father, help us all. We need the light more than we've ever needed it before, and so does this world, and there's no way we can shine it unless we already have it. Help us, first of all, to have it and to know it and to be in it every day, and then help us to shine it to the dark, dark world around us because light still beats darkness, and it always will. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his gospel message. Thank you for the reminder of where light exists. We praise you and we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're not